because God's already decreed that whatever you go through, he's going to work it for your good, and there's no getting away from that. So when you're saved, it's a win-win. You are in a win-win relationship with the creator of the universe. You can't lose. Do you believe that? Well, I'm going to read it to you. Let's read Romans 8, 26 to 29, and then I'm going to talk to you about the fruit of your storm. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Holy Ghost is praying for you. The Holy Spirit is praying for you. And then it goes on. Verse 28, we know. How many of you know? We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. You know, I could preach on that for a year. Those verses cook. They pop. They crackle with truth. Amen? Good stuff. Father, thank you today for the word of God. Uh, it is your word. And Lord, we thank you that you're going to encourage us today, edify us and exhort us and comfort us in the Holy Ghost. I pray for people that are going through a storm. And I pray that you will comfort them. Give them a word of hope. Give them a word of encouragement. And thank you, Lord, for your truth today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Tell your neighbor you're going to make it to the other side. You are going to make it to the other side. All right, it's Thanksgiving week. It's an amazing fact to me that it's going that quickly. And I am thankful to God. I'm thankful that even in the storms of life, and I'm passing through one, I'm, I'm coming on the other side of one, that God is the Lord over my storm. And God is using my storm to be a blessing to you and to be a blessing to many others. And he's comforting me in my storm. And we see here in these passages, these, these incredible verses, that the Holy Spirit prays for us. The Holy Spirit, what, what is the Holy Spirit doing inside of you? Well, one thing, he's strengthening you. He's giving you peace. He's guiding you, but he's also praying for you. He knows God's will for you. He knows God's destiny on your life. He knows what you've been called to do. He knows what you're going through. He knows the temptations that are battering your mind. He knows the betrayals. He knows the disappointments and the disillusionments you've experienced, the, the skin, knees, and elbows, and, and just walking through this life. He knows it. He knows your perplexity, your confusion. He knows the questions you've got. He knows your discouragements. He knows all about your setbacks. And he's praying for you. And if he's praying for you, no wonder if God be for us, who can be against us? He's praying for you. He said he's praying for you in, 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 with utterances you can't put words to. He's lifting you up. 
and he's praying according to the exact will of God. And then he tells us that the ultimate goal of God in everything we go through in life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the ultimate will of God is to form and shape you and mold you and make you into the image of his son. He likes Jesus so much he wants a bunch of him. Amen? So, so God has made a decree. When God makes a decree, no devil in hell can stop it, nor human being. God has decreed that whatever you pass through, good, bad, or ugly, difficult, terrible, even if you bring it on yourself, that God is going to work it together for your good. He's decreed it. He has decreed it. Uh, if you get yourself into trouble, if you mess up major, and it looks like you have made a fatal mistake. God has said, I'm still going to work it together for the good of those who love me and are called according to my purpose. If people come against you and really target you and, and level accusations against you or try to hurt you or harm you in any way, God says, I'm going to take that and I'm going to work it together for your good. It will not succeed. No weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn, for this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. So God has said, when storms come, I'm going to work it for your good. It is going to work out for your good. So I want to look at three ways that God works storms out for our good. And I'm just going to pull from the Word of God because that's really all I've got to say is what the Word of God has to say. And the Word of God has a lot to say about how he is going to take the storms of your life, be they temptation be they marital, be they relational with your children or children with your parents or in-laws or outlaws or any other laws. Whatever you're going through, I'm going to work it for your good. I'm going to make that storm serve my purpose in your life. Now, the first thing I see here is God will work through the storms of your life to bring about purified faith. He's going to purify your faith in the storms of life. Now, I want to read you what Peter had to say about trials and storms. Listen to what Simon Peter said in 1 Peter 4.12. This is so good. He said, Beloved, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is going to try you, as though some strange thing was happening to you. Don't think it's strange when all of a sudden you wake up and it's, it's clear blue skies and all is well, and suddenly a storm strikes you in the middle of the day, and you get a phone call and something has happened to a loved one, or you, 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 you go to work and your boss hands you the pink slip, or, or you get in a wreck on the way to church, or something happens, and all of a sudden a day that started out one way is ending very differently because a storm has struck out of the blue suddenly. Peter said, don't think it's strange. Don't think that's weird. Don't think it odd that God did not block that thing from you. Don't say, well, this is weird what I'm going through. No, it's not weird. It's a trial. Now, listen to what Peter said. Going back to chapter 1, verse 7, he says, these trials, now he's about to tell us, he's, he's going to lift the veil, and he's going to tell us what trials accomplish in our life. He said, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, when your faith remains strong through many trials, 
It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Now, I want you to look at the word test. He said, he said it is being tested. Your faith is being tested. That doesn't mean God is testing you to see if you're real or not, to see if you're a real believer or not. He's not testing you because he doesn't, he doesn't believe in you. It's not like that. He's not got a big question mark about you really being his child. That's not what it's saying. It's saying he's purifying your faith. And he said, now, he said, you want to know the way God looks at your faith? He looks at your faith as being more precious and valuable than a bar of gold. God is focused on your faith. He's more interested in your faith than in your comfort. He's more interested in your faith than he is your being happy. Because he knows if your faith gets strong, you will be happy. He's focused on your faith. God is purifying your faith. So so here you see, God allows trials to come into our life knowing that it will purify our faith. So your, your trials are opportunities to stand on what you believe. You say, oh, I believe he's a provider. I believe he's a healer. I believe he's a deliverer. I believe he's this. I believe he's that. Well, you can say all day long you believe in something, but when you go through the trial, then that's the opportunity for you to stand on what you said you believe. He says, your, your faith to me is like gold. Some of you, if I told you, uh, uh, I'm going to give somebody today after church a bar of gold, you wouldn't hear another thing I say. You'd be thinking, oh, is it me? Is it me? Oh, Lord, let it be me. I name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. It's me. Because you want that bar of gold. But here's what God says. He says, far more valuable to me than a bar of gold is the faith that is in your heart. Faith toward God. Faith in his word. Faith in the unseen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things you don't yet see. Faith starts out small, Jesus said, like a mustard seed, and it grows into a great tree. The purpose of God in our lives is to increase our faith, strengthen our faith, purify our faith, grow our faith up, mature our faith, so that we are not blown to and fro by every wind and every trial and every storm, but we end up standing strong and unmovable and unshaken by things that happen because our faith has grown. God says, your faith is so important to me, I'm going to purify it. I'm going to make it pure. And it's, it's just like you purify gold on earth. Real gold is purified by fire. The gold, you can, you can get gold ore, and, and, and the gold is placed in a furnace so intensely hot that it melts it. But you're not after melting it, you're after smelting it. Because when you smelt gold, it brings the impurities that are hidden in that gold that you would never see, never know about, unless it went through intense heat. You know how hot it gets? 1,948 degrees Fahrenheit melts gold. If, if you were tossed into that, you'd be vaporized in the bat of an eye. Gold is put into an oven exceedingly hot, and it melts. But the, the goldsmith wants to smelt the gold. He wants 
the, the impurities that are in that ore to come to the top where he can skim off the impurities and it goes from 14 karat gold to 18 karat gold. And if he keeps doing it, it goes to 24 karat gold. And every time it goes through heat, every time it goes through fire, it is more pure than before it went in. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Your faith is exactly the same way. When you go through an oven, when you go through a trial, God, from God's point of view, you're looking at it like, oh my gosh, I'm in a terrible storm. What in the world is going on? But God's looking at it like, I'm going to purify your faith. What did Job say? He knows the way that I take, that when he has tried me, I will come forth as pure gold. His wife said, curse God and die, you old fool. He's left you. Job said, you talk like a foolish woman. I know what's going on. He knows the way that I take. That when I come, that when I go through this trial, I'm going to come forth as gold. And though he slay me, yet will I trust him. I'm going to come out on the other side. So when, when that ore melts, the impurities and the gold rise to the top, he skims the impurities off, and now he's got purer gold than before. When all the impurities are gone, 24 karat, the most valuable grade, that gold has been purified, and that's what God is after with your faith. And as it takes heat to purify the gold, it takes the heat of trial, the heat of storms, the heat of testing to purify God's gold, your faith. Amen. So are you in a trial today? Are you in a fiery oven? Are you in a test? Well, I'm going to tell you the impurities are going to come to the top. You're going to see little compromises in your life, unbelief, lack of discipline, the things that hinder faith are going to come to the top. See, Peter didn't know what was in him until he went into the fire. He told Jesus, I will never forsake you. I will never deny you. And Jesus said, I know what's deep down in there in your gold, Peter. And let me tell you, son, you're about to be tested. You're going to deny me three times, but I've prayed for you. Not that you dodge the storm. You've got to go through the storm because that's what's going to purify your faith. But I pray that your faith will not fail. What was Jesus concerned about? His faith. And when you come out on the other side, Peter, you're going to be like gold. And you're going to have such pure faith that you're going to strengthen the brethren. You're going to walk down a street and people on the curb are going to be healed by your shadow. The old hymn says it well. When through fiery trials your pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be your supply. The flame shall not hurt you. I only design your dross to consume, your gold to refine. Everybody say, he's refining my faith. So if you're in a test, I want you to lift your hand and say, Lord, thank you that you're purifying my faith. Thank you that you're purifying my faith. Lord, make it 24 carat in Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a hand of praise. That's good stuff. I like that. So, so purified faith is the first fruit that's going to come out of your storm. But there's another one, and that's a testimony. A testimony is going to come out of your storm. Don't you know that? You know what the Bible says? They overcame the devil by the word of their testimony. 
But the way you get a testimony is going through a test with some moaning. Everybody's like, test moaning, test moaning, test moaning, test moaning. <laughs> oh, Pastor Jeff, I'm just going through hell and back. That's, that's the moaning in your test that's going to be a testimony. It's going to be a testimony. No matter what a believer goes through, God's going to use it to bring a testimony to his saving power and his saving grace and his ability in your inability. Listen to Paul's testimony of a storm he went through. I'm so thankful that the Apostle Paul told the truth. He was transparent. And when he went through something, he told you about it. Listen to what he said. He said, I think you ought to know, dear brothers, about the hard time we went through in Asia. We were really, listen to these adjectives now, we were crushed. We were overwhelmed. We feared we would never live through it. You know you're in a trial when you're wondering if you're going to live through it. When you're in a real trial, there are times you go, am I going to make it through this? Am I going to, am I going to come out on the other side? Am I going down for the last time? That's what the disciples were experiencing in the boat. Are we going to live through this? And there are times in life you'll go through something so difficult, so crushing, that you will say, am I going to make it through this? Paul's telling the truth. He said, he said we felt we were doomed to die. And we saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. Hard time, crushed, overwhelmed, may not live through it, doomed to die, powerless. That's a trial. But I want you to listen to the next four words. I want you to read them with me. I've got an underline, so you'll read it. Ready? Let's read it. But that was good. Is he crazy? What do you mean that was good? Can I say it again? Crushed, overwhelmed, we may not live, doomed to die, powerless, but that was good. Why was it good? He says, because then we put everything into the hands of God. We put everything into the hands of God. He said, this trial was so big, so strong, so overwhelming, so crushing that there's no way we could get out of it ourselves. It had to be God. So we rolled our burden upon the Lord and he sustained us. We cast all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. We gave him the trial. We put it in his nail-scarred hands because it was too big for us, but it wasn't too big for him. And he took it. And look what it says. Who alone can save us? For he can even raise the dead. He said, even if this thing kills us, he's going to get us up from the dead. How many of you can say, I may not have died physically, but, I, but, but in, in a lot of ways, when I got back up, it was a resurrection. Come on. It was a resurrection when I got back up. And verse 10 says, he did help us, and he saved us from a terrible death. Yes, and we expect him to do it again and again. He did it back then. 
He's going to do it again. If he did it in 1985, he can do it in 2016. My God has not gone weak. He still hears my prayers. His arm still saves. If he provided back then, he'll provide now. If he delivered back then, he'll deliver now. If he guided me back then, he'll guide me now. If he came through at 1159 back then, he'll come through at 1159 now. But he will help me. We go from faith to faith and glory to glory and trial to trial. There's really a great big but God in these verses. We felt we would die, but God. We saw no way out, but God. We were powerless, but God. We were crushed and we were overwhelmed, but God. When the problems came, and they will, the answer is, but God. This is the essence of a testimony. I was powerless. I was in trouble. I was sinking for the last time. There was no way out. It looked like the devil would win, but God. When you go through a but God experience, you've got a testimony. You've got a testimony. And I'm here to testify for you and to you. He can do the same for you. God's going to come through. In all these things, we're more than conquerors for him that loved us. The Bible tells us all the things that cannot, cannot separate us from the love of Christ. He said, no trial or storm can separate you from the love of Christ. Not tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Not death, not life, not angels, not principalities, not powers, not things present, not things to come, not height or depth or any other created thing. That just covered everything. There is nothing that can separate you from God's love. No storm can separate you from the love of God. So God helps us in storms. He said, I'm going to purify your faith, and I'm going to give you a testimony when you come out of your test with all the moaning. And then the last thing, he increases compassion for others when you go through a storm. See, he's already told us, I'm going to make you like Jesus. And I read about Jesus last night. I love reading about Jesus. Greatest person that ever lived on the planet. He was all man, all God, all God, all man. He felt our pain. He became one of us. God wrapped himself in skin. He was incarnated. And what it says about Jesus is, I noticed and I marked all the times it says that he was moved with compassion. Two blind men come up to him, and Jesus didn't say, man, what a hassle. You guys go on. He didn't say that. He said, man, you're cramping my style. I'm busy. I'm going to the next town. Never. He looked at these two blind men. They can't see at all. He, he, he stepped into their pain, and it says he's moved with compassion, and he reached out and healed them. Several times it says his eyes scanned a crowd, and when his eyes scanned the crowd, it says he was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He, he, one day he's walking along and, and here comes a funeral party. And, and they're, they're going to the graveyard and he sees a casket and he sees a widow, a, a mom, walking beside the casket and she's weeping. She's all dressed in black. Her heart is broken. Jesus, being God, knowing everything, walked up, said to the funeral party, if you can imagine, he was a funeral crasher. He, he, he walked up to the casket, and he told the funeral party, stop. 
They stopped, looking at him, puzzled. What? He reached out. He touched the dead boy, her son. And he was got up. For, can you imagine a funeral party? Here's the casket. Jesus walks up, and rigor mortis has set in. There's no doubt because it only takes a few hours for that to happen. And, and, and this boy sits up. Hello. And it says, he took him and gave him to the mother. But preceding that, it says, he was moved with compassion. And that's why he did it. See, Jesus' ministry was greased with compassion. He he was moved with love. He didn't do things just dutifully because he should, religiously, he should do them. When he saw the people, he loved them and he was moved with compassion. And I'm going somewhere with this. I want you to hear me. When you go through trouble, it softens your heart. I'm going to prove it to you. What a wonderful God we have, Paul said. He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy, and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why? Everybody say why. He's about to tell us why God comforts us. Why does he do it? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort God has given us. It's telling us God never wastes a pain. God never wastes a pain. When you hurt, and many of you are hurting right now, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. I'm still walking through the, the tunnel. I'm coming out on the other side, but I so miss Kathy, and I'm hurting. Now, let me tell you something. God has comforted me in that hurt. I can tell you that his spirit has been more real to me than before she went home. And you know why he's comforting me? Because somebody's going to come along before long at all who needs the same comfort by which he is comforting me. See, God always thinks multiplication. He always thinks distribution. When he blesses you financially, it's not just for you. It's so you'll give some of it away. When God blesses you with anything, he, he's got in his mind, I want you to give some of this away. That's why when you get saved, then you've got something you can give away. Go tell somebody else that Jesus saves. So he says, I'm never going to waste a pain. But when I comfort you and when you go through a storm, it's going to soften your hard heart. It's going to break up that fallow ground. It's it's going to bring you to the place where when somebody is hurting, wow, you, Mr. Hardheart, is suddenly going to feel compassion. And you're going to hurt with them, and you're going to feel it with them. You can't give what you don't have. You can only give what you've got. The man at the gate said to Simon Peter, said, hey, uh, he was crippled. He said, do you have any spare change? And Peter said, I can't give you what I don't have. He says, silver and gold have I none. I can't give you what I don't have. But here's what I do have, and I'm going to give it to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And he said, that's what I've got. I've got faith in Jesus Christ. And so it says he got up. His legs were immediately strengthened. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. Now, Peter said, I can give you what I have. And notice it was spiritual. It was his faith in the name of Jesus. 
Let me ask you a question. Do you think that man who was healed from being crippled his entire life, you think he could pray a prayer of faith after that over somebody crippled? See, hurt people hurt people. Wounded people tend to wound people. But healed people heal people. And delivered people deliver people. And happy people happify others. The things I come up with to make a point. That's a new word, happify. See, nobody can hurt with the hurting like he who has hurt. Nobody can sympathize with the suffering like somebody who has suffered. Nobody can pray for a drug addict like somebody who has fought their way out of that hellhole. No one can have compassion on the heartbroken more than the person whose heart has been broken. So God, I'm going to go ahead and say something some of you won't like, but God will let you experience hurt so that when you come out on the other side of that storm and somebody hurting comes up to you, you're like Jesus, moved with compassion. God's going to use your storm to soften your heart enlarge your capacity to empathize with the hurting and increase your channels of compassion for the suffering. When others are troubled, he said, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them this same help and comfort God has given us. So say with me, he purifies my faith. And he gives me a testimony. And he softens my heart in my storms. Can we stand together today?